at our scripture tonight is Psalm 90. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, Return, ye children of men. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away as with a flood. They are as asleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins, in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So, Teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. O satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory unto their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish thou the work of our hands upon us, yea, the work of our hands. Establish thou it. My text is verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. May God bless the reading and the preaching of his word again this evening. Beloved, we have before us this evening the oldest psalm. It is the psalm of David, the only psalm I mean the psalm of Moses, and it's the only psalm that we have of Moses. Probably at the end of his life. And notice it is a prayer. Moses is praying here. 
And the tone is somber, isn't it? For Moses had seen a whole generation that came out of Egypt and died there in the wilderness because of their sin and their unbelief. Miriam had sinned. Aaron had sinned. Moses had sinned. God's wrath against sin. And sin brings death, doesn't it? And God says, return, O son of man, return to the dust. What do we say at the end of a year? Moses looks at life, and notice he is not angry with God. He's not complaining to God. But he reflects on his life and the life of God's people, Israel. Yes, those words, sin, rebellion, and murmuring against God, making a golden calf, the sins are piled up on top of each other. Forced to wander for 40 years in the wilderness. This was God's judgment. God's judgment upon his people because of their unbelief. That generation could not go into the land of Canaan. But instead they were to die under the wrath of God in the wilderness. And even Moses. Even Moses. God's very capable wonderful leader for his people, a type of Christ, was not able to enter into the land of Canaan. He could only just see it from afar off. Yes, it's a terrible time, but also it was not a time of hopelessness or despair for the true people of God. Moses begins the psalm with beautiful words of comfort, doesn't he? Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. And he's able to go back before the mountains were formed, or whether the earth was formed back into eternity. God is from everlasting to everlasting. God. God. That was the hope of Moses and that is the hope of the faithful people of God during that terrible time of wilderness wanderings. God is the everlasting God of his people. He has established his everlasting covenant with his people. And therefore God will not forsake them. While the ungodly will surely be destroyed... True Israel will be preserved. God will show mercy to them, forgive them their sins, and take them to himself. Yes, God is the refuge and strength of his people. Two thoughts here are contrasted. Number one, there is the everlasting God through all generations, and there is the mortality of mankind. And second of all, there is the beauty of God and his work over against the ugliness and the sinfulness of God's people here on earth. 
And in that, looking at God being this refuge, but God's wrath also against sin, for he is a righteous God, there's a prayer in our text. So teach thou us to number our days that we may have a heart of wisdom. Our days are numbered. This is day 365 of year 2023. Our days, notice first of all what that means. Second of all, what it means to number our days. And then thirdly, getting hearts of wisdom. So teach us to number our days. Notice that Moses in this prayer is not now talking about literal days of the week or of the year. He's not speaking now of a specific period of time, but rather he's talking about the content of our days here on earth and the content of our days in this past year. He's talking about your and my life. For everyone can count the number of days. But he's talking about here using heavenly arithmetic. Looking at our days as God looks at our days. And as he says, for God a thousand years in thy sight are as yesterday when it is past and as a watch in the night. Our life. And looking at our life now, he says, our days consist of the work of our hands. And he ends the psalm and says, please establish thou the work of our hands. It consists of our thoughts that go through our mind. It consists of the words that we speak. It consists of the many deeds that are carried out, whether good or evil. Our life consists of our consciousness, our willingness, our desiring, our grasping, our wishing, our laughing, our crying, our speaking, our doing, our reacting to things. Our life consists of a period of time given to us by God. For some of it's a long time. The psalmist talks about maybe 70 or 80 years, and we have members that are over 90 years old. But for others, our life is very short. Perhaps dying in the womb or dying shortly after birth or dying as a young person, or dying in middle life with a family, a wife, daughters. Our days are numbered, numbered by God. And our days thus numbered by God is a full time, a full time in his plan, in his eternal decree numbered by God. And that time is given to us by God to be filled with opportunities, isn't it? He gives you and me days and weeks and years 
filled with opportunities to serve him and his kingdom. And so he entrusts to us gifts from heaven. He gives us talents that we are able to use in our life. He gives us health and strength. He gives us possessions and money that we can use for his kingdom. He gives us different relationships that we're in, whether it be as a wife or a husband, whether it be as a parent or as a child, whether it be an older, wise person in the congregation or a young babe. He gives us friends that we can enjoy. He also gives us enemies who hate Christ and therefore hate those who follow Christ. Yes, even in his will, there's temptations that come to us. He doesn't tempt us. He tests us. He gives us trials and he gives us difficulties. It's been another year of opportunities. Our days are full with everything in it. Our days we should count as gifts. Gifts from God above. Gifts whereby we are able to take our love and serve him. It's because of our sins that this time is rather brief. When God created Adam and Eve, there was no end in sight then. He created them to live. And so you and I have this mandate also for our lives as his children. And his mandate for you and me in our days is, love me. Love me with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors, yourself. Serve me. With all those talents and time and opportunities and gifts, serve me. So you and I have our days, we have our life, we have our time, we have our gifts and opportunities, and we need to ask, what have I done? What have I done with this time, with these days, with this past year? What have I done with them? Our life, fenced in. Having a boundary, there is a time to be born, but there's also a time to die. A time to laugh, but also a time to cry. God's time given to us. Our days are numbered. Let us recognize that. The opportunities given to us are short. So, what is the prayer? It is a plea of Moses. So teach us to number our days with a purpose that we may have a heart of wisdom. So what does it mean that we number our days? Again, that's not a literal numbering. Anyone can do that. Even a little child can number and they can tell you how many years old they are when they're quite young. Moses had done that with his life. He is at this point about 120 years old. He has led God's people out of Egypt, through the wilderness, put up with all their grumbling and complaining, made his own mistakes. And while Israel is going to go into the land of promise, he can only see it from afar. So it's not numbering 1, 2, 5, 10, 
60, 70, 80, or 90 years, but rather when he says, so teach us to number our days, the idea there between that numbering is critique those days and those years. Analyze those days and those years that have been given to you and to me. Evaluate them. Search your heart. Weigh those days and those opportunities in what you and I have done in those days. Weigh them in the balances. Measure them. What is, ask these questions, what is my life all about? What has been the thought uppermost in my mind in 2023? What have I done with these days that have been given to me in this past year? What is the goal? What is the end of all my days? How shall we number our days? How shall we critique or evaluate them? And the prayer of Moses is, so teach thou us to number our days. You and I have to be taught like little children. Why do we need to be taught? Because it's so easy for us to try to evaluate our days and our life over against others around us. And perhaps we can pick out those at the lowest end of society or those who are the worst in society and say, what a good boy I am. What a wonderful boy I have been this year in obeying. Easy to try to evaluate your days by the world's standards and then say how wonderful. But you and I must be taught by God to evaluate our days, not according to the world's standards, but against God's standard, God's word, our text. So teach us to number our days. It's a reflective word there. We read in 2 Peter chapter 3. Chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. I will put my trust in him, and again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me, for as much then as the children are partakers of the flesh and the blood, Christ also himself took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Evaluate yourself, your life, according to God's word, as you stand in Christ Jesus. That makes all the difference. Teach us to number our days. And he does that, and as we look at this psalm, it goes back to the first 11 verses, doesn't it? What are my days? As Moses looks at the 40 years there in the wilderness of God's wonderful redemption out of Egypt, what was Israel's response? Was it thankful, grateful, living of their God who had saved them? 
who had given them a great hope? And you and I know the, the answer to that. No, it was griping, complaining, murmuring, rebelling, terrible sins, sorrows, pain, trouble. No, the life of God's people was not easy there in the wilderness, was it? It was difficult. But Moses not only looks there at God's people, but he looks at the whole world that we live in. He looks at all the different generations that come and go, and he sees God. God who is the refuge for those who trust in him. And in the light of God and his perfections, he looks at the generations of people of God and beholds their works. And what is that work? We read in verse 8, Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. What is the work of God's people? What is the work of you and me in this past year? Even our best works are stained with sin, aren't they? We have to understand our works, even the best of them, seen in God's judgment over that work. Yes, Moses speaks of God's anger and wrath. And that anger and that wrath sweeps over all of God's works, all over his creation. Because in the way of sin, there's death, there's trouble, there's sorrow, there's pain. Adam and Eve were told that, weren't they, in the garden. The day thou eatest thereof, of that forbidden fruit, thou wilt surely die. And so Moses looks at the generation that has all passed away there in the wilderness. Yes, God was saying to rebellious Israel, return, ye children of men, return to the dust from which you are made. And they return to the earth. Therefore, for them and for still us today, our lives are trouble, aren't they? They are labor, they are sorrow. For the wages of sin is death. And I want you to notice that as Moses is recounting this in his prayer to God, he's not angry with God, but rather he says, God is right. All of God's people, those and those only regenerated and converted, must say, God is is right when he judges what do you and i really deserve if god would give us what we deserve oh beloved's hell god's people look they number they weigh and they evaluate their days and with god they say our days are worthy of death I deserve God's wrath. I deserve wrath because of my works, my days, my years. But that's not all. 
In this prayer, he goes from what we deserve, God's judgment and wrath, in verse 13 and 14, he says, Return, O God, how long, and let it repent thee concerning thy servants. He says, Satisfy us early with thy mercy that we may rejoice and be glad. Do you see, there's the hope for looking back over this past year with all of my mistakes, my sinful thoughts, the sins that I confessed once and I fall back into time and time again. Yes, I deserve God's wrath, but with God there is mercy. Mercy that he shows to us in saving us by Jesus Christ. So over against our works, I don't want to stay on the works that I've done. They're all polluted. But over against our works, did you see verse 13? Let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory unto their children. If I had to have hope because I looked at my own works, I would be afraid. I would be afraid because I don't have that zeal that I ought to. My faith often is not real strong. I don't do the things that are always commanded of me, but rather I do those things that are forbidden. Oh, I don't want to look at my work for hope for salvation, I want to look at the Lord's work. Let me read that verse again, verse 16. Let thy work appear unto thy servants, and thy glory unto their children. As they were traveling there through the wilderness, God went with them, and the cloud of glory was always over them, a cloud by day shading them from the hot sun, a cloud of fire at night leading and guiding them. Yes, in that Shekinah, that cloud of glory, God's glory was relevant. And we're going to look at it tomorrow where Moses prays for that cloud of glory to continue to go with them on their journey. And so when he looks at God's work, and he looks at God's mercy, at God's love for his people, and his care for his people, and his salvation of his people, then he says, Lord, then my work that I do, please, Lord, establish it. Make it stand. Make it worthwhile. Make it a life of joy and gladness and service and obedience to thee. So two things in this prayer. Number one, God is just in his judgment. We deserve death. But oh, God is also merciful and full of loving kindness. And he blesses us. Our puny little works, all filled with sin. His glorious work, a powerful work, the work of salvation. That is true, beloved, not only of that generation that walked through the wilderness for 40 years, but it's true for all the generations that were before it and all the generations that follow it. It's true of the church of Jesus Christ today. Your and my works, let's evaluate them. They are all iniquity and sin. Evaluate our days our life, our works, and be humbled. 
be humbled that God is faithful. Faithful in his word, faithful in his covenant, faithful to his people. Why stand amazed? Because in one sense, we're even worse than the world. You say, what? Why do you say that, that we're worse than the world? Because the light of God's revelation has been given to us. We have the word of God in our possession, don't we? We know God in Christ Jesus, don't we? We've been given God's grace. And how often don't we squander it? We must look and we must evaluate ourselves. Please don't try to look at your neighbor. That's what we like to do quite often. And then we feel good because we compare ourselves to them. With all the gifts and talents and opportunities that God has given to me, put your name in there, the Christian upbringing, the Christian home, the Christian schools that we have gone to, what have I done with it? What kind of thoughts and words and deeds have I produced in this past year? What have I done with the truth of God that was revealed to me? We need to ask that question collectively as a church. We need to say with Moses, teach us, O Lord, to have that proper evaluation of our works. What have I done with the truth that he has handed to me? Have I embraced it? Do I love it? Or do I grow weary of it? What have I done with the opportunities God has given me 365 days in this past year? Have I squandered much of that time? Have I pressed into the service of Christ Jesus? God calls us to that evaluation by his judgment. Our days. Troubles that the Lord gives to the church at times in order to chastise them. What is the Lord teaching us as a church, as a denomination in these last couple years? Instead of being proud of who we are and what we've accomplished, 100 years almost, humble? How is it that our denomination has existed almost 100 years? Not because we're so good. We've got problems. We've got sin. Sin in the generations. But God is faithful to his people. God has mercy on his people. God forgives his people their sins when they call upon him. Yes, it's not by chance that troubles have come to us, but it's by God's hand. Think a moment, some of our songs in our Psalter. Psalter number 253, stanza 6. That man is blessed whom thou, O Lord, with chastening hand dost teach thy will. For in the day when sinners fall, that man in peace abideth still. Or again, Psalter number 329, stanza 4. Affliction has been for my prophet, that I to thy statutes might hold. Thy law to my soul is more precious than thousands of silver or gold. 
evaluation, examination, a critique of our days, weighing and measuring what the Lord has all given to us and what we have done with it. And no wonder Moses cries out, and you and I in our prayers also should cry out, Lord, have mercy upon me. Take pity. May we be filled with humility. May we be filled with a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. And yes, then a calling and a waiting upon our God for his mercy. Mercy on us who are sinners. So teach us to number our days. Passed away in God's judgment and wrath, troubles and sorrows and pain and death. Teach us to number our days. Now the purpose. Why should we number our days? that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. I like the Dutch translation better, I guess no surprise, where you read, obtain hearts of wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may obtain. In other words, that God shows us, God gives us these hearts of wisdom. What is a heart of wisdom? Well, the heart is, first of all, and this is the third point, is the seat of all of our affections, isn't it? It guides us in our thinking and in our willing and in our choosing and in our doing. As we read, out of the heart are all the issues of life. It colors all that we say and we do. And God will judge the hearts of mankind in that great judgment day. In the day of Christ, we'll all be turned inside out. Think about that a moment. My dad used that phrase once when he was working with an African-American. And he said to him, we're just alike. And that man looked at my dad and he thought, you're white, I'm not. And he says, you're just a Dutchman turned inside out. Blackness of sin. Teach me, O Lord, to number my days, to know my iniquity and my sin, so that I may be humbled and I look away from myself and my works to God's work of salvation, to God's mercy. We read in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to what he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Oh, isn't it wonderful that through the cross of Jesus Christ, God has forgiven and blotted out all of our sins. He will not make mention of them on the judgment day, but he will evaluate our works whether they are works of gold or of silver or of wood or of stone or of stubble. Those works of stubble are burned up. 
removed from us. God will evaluate our lives even as we are called to evaluate. God evaluates, he judges that every day of our lives and also at the end of our life. May we have now these hearts of wisdom. What is that wisdom? It is that spiritual virtue by which a man knows and lives according to reality. That he is, he's able to put two and two together and he knows it's four, it's not five, and it's not three. It means that he knows and he loves the truth of God that's been revealed to him. It means not only that he knows and he loves the word of God, but that he lives that word of God in his daily life. Wisdom is knowing what is the best in life, what is good, what we should be really hungering and thirsting for instead of all the pleasures of this world. The greatest good, what is it? Isn't it God himself? Isn't the greatest good that we know God as our redeemer as well as our creator? To know that God is the overflowing fountain of good for his people. As the catechism writer says, my only comfort in life and in death is that I, body and soul, am belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. This evaluation, it has to be honest, it has to be according to the word of God. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner who could never stand one day. But God is merciful and good. And so wisdom for God's people is to look away from themselves and to flee, to flee to the cross of Jesus Christ. Wisdom for God's people is then to repent of their sins and to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is to acknowledge God as our Father in heaven and trust in him. And also to trust that the things that took place in our past year, good or bad, difficult, are truly important and good for God's going to work them all for our salvation. You see, the comfort for God's people as the years come and go through our life is God's covenant that he has established with us in Christ Jesus. A wise heart means that Christ Jesus himself, by his spirit and his word, dwells in our hearts. And that he rules us so that we live out of Christ and for Christ. Remember, remember Psalm 90 is a prayer. This is a prayer that you and I, along with Moses, need to pray for a wise heart. And we pray for it. Because only God can give it. You and I by nature are foolish. And because of our foolishness left to ourselves, we would deny God. We would depart from God. We would join the world with all of its evil. But God in his mercy seat must deliver us from that folly, from that sin and give us spiritual and true wisdom in our hearts so that we have a life that is not lived for ourselves and a life that's not lived for the entertainment of the world and surely not a life lived for the devil, 
rather it's a life lived for God. And God has revealed that wisdom for us in the gospel. In his wisdom, God sent his son into the world to die in your my place, to die for the sins of his people. In other words, he didn't just pass over our sins, but he punished all those sins in his son, Jesus. And in the cross, God's wisdom is that he has everlasting love and faithfulness to his people. He cut down his own son in death and said, return to the dust in order that Jesus might satisfy for your my sins. Through the wisdom and the power of the cross, he has delivered us from this death and given us life from above, the hope of eternal life. Pray for that wisdom. For those who have this wise heart will turn from their sins in repentance in godly sorrow, they'll turn to the cross of Jesus Christ. And they will realize that there is salvation nowhere else. We don't rest upon our own works. We're not satisfied with our works and say, well, I did the best I could. Not my works, Lord. My pockets are empty when it, has, when it comes to offering something. My salvation is in Christ alone. We realize that man is cut off, not by natural reasons, but the punishment of God. It's good that our lives come to an end, because in this world we're pilgrims in a wilderness, which means our life is can continue to be that of grumbling and complaining and sinning against God in rebellion. And the beautiful thing is, when this earthly pilgrimage is done none of those sins go with us none of those sinful thoughts none of the persecution of the church but rather we are without sin beholding Christ Jesus face to face what a hope that is wisdom of God teaches us as we read in the scriptures that the sting of death is gone and the victory of the grave is gone. And now our death, the end of our earthly lives, is just the gateway to eternal life in Christ Jesus. First, the intermediate state where our soul is with Christ. But looking beyond that, there's further glory. The day when Jesus says, enough. The cup of iniquity on the world is full and all of my saints have been born and have been saved. Now, now I come. And the new heavens and the new earth are ushered in. Wisdom teaches us that we ought to live for God. Fear the Lord. Struggle to obey his commandments. And only in that way in the way of godly sorrow and in the way of obedience will we experience that fellowship, that blessed fellowship with our God in Christ Jesus. Wisdom teaches us the brevity of life. 
That's what the psalm brings out, isn't it? God is from everlasting to everlasting, and our life is a puny little few years, and we fly away. What does your life, what does my life count? What is it for? What is its purpose? What is its goal? We're asked, we're forced to ask that question when we say, Lord, teach us the number of our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. My life here is so short so that you and I are called to seize the opportunities. When a new day comes, when a new year comes, it's not living for myself, it's not living in sin, but I'm living for Christ Jesus. It's the prayer of my lips. May my life bring glory to the cause of my God in heaven. Redeem, O oh Lord, redeem my time, for my times are in thy hand, that we may live to the Lord. Let me read two passages from 2 Corinthians, where our sermon this morning was about, first of all, from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 and following. Because we need the comfort here. As we evaluate this past year with all of its sins and shortcomings, we read in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16 and following, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What a comfort, what assurance as this year comes to an end and the clock keeps ticking and our lives will also come to an end. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, the first couple verses. We then, as workers together with him, now Paul is talking about him and his other pastors, Beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. Here's a warning. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. What a warning. Seize the day. Seize the moments and the hours and the days of our life that we may not spend it in the service of sin, but rather in the service of our God in Christ Jesus. The child of God is warned. So teach us to number our days. Each day is given as a gift of God. A gift of God whereby as his children and as his friends, we confess him as our God. And we say, God is my refuge and my strength in this transitory pilgrimage through this world. God is my God, and I will live for him. And I will walk. I will walk in the good works that he works in me to will and to do. 
I will take this life and the time that is ordained for me knowing I'm going to meet my maker and I will give an account and you will. And in our short life then, may we continually say to our God as the scriptures are opened up, verse 16, let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory to our children. Isn't that, parents, what you want for your children too? That they along with you in their generations know our great God, know his loving kindness and his pity and his mercy and his help and his salvation. And when our short life is over, no more sin, no more temptation, no more troubles or sorrows. We're home with the Lord Jesus Christ. Come, Lord Jesus. Let us say it. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Amen. Father in heaven, teach us. As we see thy wrath and judgment against sin all around us and even in our own lives, teach us to number our days that we may have this heart of wisdom to acknowledge thee, to love thee, to live for thee. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.